Welcome to another message from LifePoint Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on LifePoint Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. Today I, I want us to talk about the topic of expectation. And last week we talked about anticipation, and, and today I want to talk to you about expectation. And some of you are going already, aren't they the same thing? I mean, if I opened up my, my thesaurus and I would see a synonym, synonym, and they would both be, you could exchange them. We defined anticipation this week, or last week this way, waiting eagerly for something to happen that you know is going to happen. You know it's going to happen. Expectation is a strong belief or faith that something will happen. You could say it this way. Anticipation, in light of Advent, in the Advent season, anticipation is about hope. We gave out Christmas decorations last week with this hope um, decoration for your tree and the, the, our church logo button on the back. If you weren't here last week, they're at the Welcome Center, so you can get them. This week... Um, we're, we're talking about expectation, which we're going to focus on peace. And so this week's uh, Christmas ornament is peace. And so make sure as you leave the sanctuary this morning, you, you get one of these. And you're like, well, Steve, I don't like, um, I, or excuse me, I have my de tree decor already up. And it's what I want on my tree. I'm not putting anything else on it because it's my tree. And so, well, as I told you last week with hope, do it this week with peace. Hang it from your uh, uh, rearview mirror just because you need peace when you drive right and you can throw the peace sign just to remind everybody of peace of christmas or whatever but so expectation deals with faith so here's our key statement uh this morning up on the screen it's kind of long i apologize for that but it is what it is our expectations of jesus shape our encounters with jesus which ultimately determine how we experience jesus therefore our expectations have to be aligned with God's word and driven by God's glory. We're going to see through our, our illustration, through a, an individual in the pages of scripture that will illustrate for us that his expectation aligned with God's word and it drove him into the presence of God and he experienced God's glory. So all of us are in a season of waiting in some way right now, right? Some in the room, you're like waiting for that special someone. You're waiting for that partner, Others are waiting for a direction for a scenario in your life. But should I do this? Should I do that? Some are waiting for a breakthrough. Some are waiting for a healing in your body. There's some, as I told first service, that are waiting for someone else to do the dishes. If someone else would just do the dishes, life would be good. Right? That question becomes, uh, becomes um, the question really becomes, in the middle of our waiting, how, how do you wait well? We all have expectations during the wait, so how do we wait well? Because some of us are good at waiting, and others of us are like, oh, dear Jesus, pray for me, right? One of the challenges with expectations is that is that there's what's been called the frustration gap in the middle of your waiting, because you have this expectation... And then you have, you have this waiting uh, season or maybe in, in the work world or, or just in the family dynamics, relational dynamics, there's the performance. And, and that, that gap between the expectation and, and the waiting or the, the performance is called or can be called frustration. Because sometimes it just feels like forever. Right? What makes all the difference when we're facing that waiting season is this. Who are we putting our expectations in? So, what, could, what if we could learn to wait with glorious expectation? What would it look like? What would that feel like? I mean, just the other day, we were out doing some shopping, and, and uh, I dropped Robin off at, at, uh, at a store, and I was like, hey, I'm going to run across the street to Lowe's to get a, a couple things that we need, and so 
you good with that? And she's like, I'm good. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going. And I'll be right back. And, and I'm leaving the parking lot. And this car is turning into my, my uh, lane. Is that row, aisle, whatever? And I'm like, not that I've ever done this. But, but so I'm, I'm you know, I want to go this way. And this car turns into my row and, like, doesn't go, like, properly. She, like, cuts the corner. I had to wait. And I, I thought about giving her the eye. <laughs> you know, because she made, me, she made me wait. And I was just like, and then the thought went through me. Hey, to, it came to my mind, hey, Steve, it's Christmas. And it really doesn't matter. It's Christmas. You just lost a second. Is it that big of a deal? We struggle with waiting, but what if we could learn to wait with glorious expectation? How many of you love Christmas? You're just like, Christmas, yeah. You're like, you're like elf. Christmas! Right? Um, you are the ones that decors up. You know, you're like, you're like, setting the, the, the trend in the neighborhood. Your lights are up early. You, you beat Walmart. Um, you're secretly listening to Christmas carols in July when you're driving and commuting back and forth from work. You love, you love the holiday season, man. You're just like in it. It starts with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like John the Baptist for you. It's the forerunner of what's to come. Right? It's just, man, it's just good. You're, you're excited for it. And uh, I told Robin this last week, Last weekend, I think, last Sunday afternoon, I told her, listen, Robin, my, my goal this week is I'm going to get done with my class that I'm taking so I can get it out of the way, and I'm going to get all my Christmas shopping done this week, and, um, and we're going to get it all done because we're going to go together, and I'm going to get my shopping done for you, and it's going to be great, and then next Sunday is Life, Life Point Family Christmas on the 17th. That's going to be awesome, and then we have Christmas Eve service on the 24th. I want to enjoy it all, just like a glass of eggnog. You know, it's just going to be so good. And, and how, how many of you as kids were just like, I can't wait for Christmas. September to December just seemed like decades. Right? Remember that? How many of you were guilty of peaking? Right? Remember that evil eye that we just talked about? Just give your neighbor the evil eye if they were like peakers, right? Because I, I was a peaker one time. I did it one time. My mom... Um, she did this, so it's really her fault. Because she put on her bedroom door. Do not enter. Christmas gifts, out. What's a, what's a fifth grader supposed to do when he's home from school all alone and he sees that sign? That's like, do not touch wet paint. And I went in and I saw what I got. It was, I was in a get... And man, Christmas morning was just like, right? But let's be real. I think, we, I think we realize this. Realizing how bad we are at waiting when we were kids. Like Christmas seemed like forever. Is a foreshadowing really of how bad we're waiting. We're, how bad we're at, uh, we're, we are at at waiting now. Case in point, stoplight. And there's a car in front of you. And they had the audacity to wait an extra half a second before they started going through that green light. And your co-pilot converses with you. Um, the light has been green for 0.75 seconds now. Why don't you go? Have you ever had that happen? Let's, let's just have some marital counseling right now. That's never happened in our car. In case you're wondering, I feel like there's eyes looking at me. Like, why would you do that to Robin? You know? Um, maybe you're here today and, 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 and you're, you're in a season of waiting. And it's not, it isn't unfamiliar. Perhaps something has transpired just this last week and you find yourself waiting. It's, maybe it's for that promotion. It, it's for, uh, so that you start feeling better. Maybe, uh, maybe you're thinking, man... Will my finances get some cushion? Maybe it's, 
Will my addiction be broken? Will my mental state be still? Will God show up in my life? Maybe you don't know what you're waiting for. You just know you're waiting. If we could learn to wait with a glorious expectation, that when we're in a season, instead of going, okay, this is how I interpret it, could we interpret it through, God, what are you doing? And how are you aligning things? If we could frame our now with an expectation of God is up to something. There's a song by John Riddick entitled, God, Turn It Around. And, and once in a while here lately, I've been playing that song ever so frequently as I'm in a time of prayer, just, just need to, you know, uh, tune my mind a little bit. And, and some of the lyrics to that song is, he's up to something, he's up to something. God is doing something right now. Right now. Just to kind of set the table, their, the divorce was filed. They were waiting for papers to come. They were expecting it to be over. But then something shifted. And then something changed. Check out this video. I am a machinist in Wichita making aircraft parts. Individually, God has changed me. Um, I do feel like I try to be more like how God would want me to be. Um, be more like Jesus, you know, the old WWJD, what would Jesus do? If I'm going to be a Christian and say that I'm a Christian, that's what I'm going to put out there. Um, and that has, is how God has changed me individually. God has changed me because he has given me the ability to quit drinking. Uh, he has given me patience, uh, calm a lot of my temper issues that I've dealt with in the past. If it wasn't for God, um, we would actually not be married at this time. Um, God has changed our marriage immensely. Um, we were actually um, supposed to be divorced. Like the divorce papers were filed. We, we're living separately. I mean, I was like living a single life, essentially, and everything was ready to go. It we passed our deadlines, and for whatever reason, uh, the divorce papers never came through. I prayed to God to help me get through it, because um, I just wasn't doing well. I was kind of hit the self-destruction phase. Um, of the depression I was going through. The lawyer never got the papers to him or to me, and we reconciled, started going to church, and here we are, um, a year and a half later, made it to our 19-year wedding anniversary, um, and now we are um, living completely different than what we were before um, we separated. I didn't know at the time that you had already started looking towards God for help. I just decided one night I couldn't do it by myself anymore. I just needed, I needed help. Well, having God in our lives has given us a whole new perspective on life. I mean, it <clears throat> makes us want to strive to be better, to be more like Him, and therefore wanting to ins instill that in your children who wouldn't. And show them that there's better. Yeah there's better ways to live and better ways to be than who we were before. Even before we moved back in together, we had decided that we have to be different and we have to do this differently, do it with the kids differently because the way we had done it for, you know, 18 plus years, almost 19 years, obviously it ended up, um, we didn't have the foundation um, and ended up falling apart. So we decided if we're gonna do this, We've got to put God first. We've got to go to church. We've got to get the kids in church um, and get ourselves in church and um, be better, do better, live better, and put God first. It's not always, okay, just because you go to church and you love God, it's not always... Uh, peaches and cream. Yeah, it's not always peaches and cream. But again, I do feel like our levels of anger and the things that we say our patience, 
being people who love God and pray to God. We pray for our children. I mean, I pray for him. I pray for my kids. Like me, he's given me the ability to just take a step back and, you know, really think about things before I act. But we are still just waiting. We're waiting. Works in progress. Yes. Yes. I think we will always be a work in progress because we're human. Everybody fails, you know. Um, as long as we remember that even though we fail, um, we can be forgiven. I feel like when I talk to God, I feel like I, sometimes I feel like I shouldn't ask him for anything because he gives me so much, I should just be thankful. Last week, I just kind of, some of you weren't here last Sunday, so I want to give you some backdrop of what's happening. Others of us, we were here last week, but there's been a lot of life that's happened in the last seven days, so I forgot, you forgot what uh, some of the backdrop was. So, all right, um, what's happening here in Luke chapter 2 in our text today takes place about 40 days after Jesus was born, okay? And so he perhaps has started cooing. He's a 40-day-year-old baby, and so perhaps he's, um, you know, cooing a little bit, and I'm sure he's sleeping all night because he's perfect, right? He's the perfect son of God, so I mean, you know, who knows? But Mary and Joseph have, have, have started to try to get back into the normal routines of life in that day and getting back into the norms, and, and they're good practicing Jewish um, people, Jewish mom and dad, and they're trying to walk out their faith. And, um, and so we know that Scripture tells us that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, which would have been in fulfillment to the Levitical law that they were practicing and, and trying to walk out. You see that, that law in Levitical chapter, or Leviticus chapter 12, but um, if mom and dad, part of Leviticus 12 would, would say to, to them that if mom and dad were financially well off, that they were to present a lamb to the priest for a sacrifice for purification uh, rituals for Mary. Uh, as she's gone through the process of giving birth to Jesus and, and all that, again, you can, we won't take time to, to read it out in Leviticus 12, but you can go there uh, if you want something to do this afternoon. But so that, that's all going on. Okay, um, that's all leading into our, our text today. If they were wealthy, they would have purchased a lamb for that sacrifice to fulfill that, that, that responsibility, that response, that ask from Leviticus 12. If they were poor, which they were, they would present two turtle doves or pigeons for sacrifice. Some of you are singing the rest of the Christmas song. That's the backdrop of Luke 2, okay? Let's pick it up in verse 22. They, Mary and Joseph are there now, and it says, And when the time came for purification, according to the law of Mo Moses, Leviticus 12, they brought him to Jerusalem and pre to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every male who, was fir who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this was just a normative day in that time for people of, of this time, of people of the Jewish faith. There isn't anything special. There's not anything unique about this day. Daily, weekly, monthly, there are couples going to the temple to do what Mary and Joseph are doing. They're, they're pushing their little baby buggy going to the temple, comparing their baby to other babies that are in the house, you know, and, um, and this was just normal. Yet within the normal, within the wait, there was someone who was expecting their coming, someone who was watching for Jesus, someone who had their ear turned to the voice and to, to the voice of the Spirit, someone who knew that a no ordinary baby was going to be showing up. That an, uh, uh, no ordinary day was going to happen. And one of the things that I love about the Bible, I'm reminded of it all, all the time, is that it's the ordinary people 
that make up the pages of Scripture that God uses in significant matters to bring the kingdom of God to people, to impact people, and to expand His kingdom. Just ordinary people like you and I. Ordinary people that make up LifePoint Church. So this guy is obscure, he's regular, he's ordinary, he's really unknown, nothing special about him, uh, a lot like you and me. Verse 25 of Luke 2, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous, was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not uh, see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of, of peoples, a light of, for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Again, we don't have a lot of background on Simeon, he loved God, was looking for the promises of God to be fulfilled. There was expectation in his heart. We didn't know his age. As I was thinking about Simeon this week in preparation for today, I imagine someone like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings or Obi-Wan Kenobi, just a wise old sage. Maybe someone like Matthew from Anne of Green Gables. Some just a wise man. Imagine what this moment looked like. The Bible says Simeon is prompted by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple. It was just a normal day. Perhaps he had woken up just like the day before. He was drinking his morning coffee or whatever his routine was, reading the, the Jerusalem Gazette. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, get up, go to the temple. He walks into the temple. It's busy. It's busy with other couples doing their, their, their Leviticus 12 obedience and, and reaction to what God has asked them to do. Simeon doesn't know why he's there necessarily, who he's looking for, but suddenly the Spirit says to him, man, so, I'm so glad, Simeon, that you have responded to my, my prompting to me, speaking to you and that you're here today because this is a day that you've been waiting for. Look across the room. See that little baby? That's the one. Now think about this. Play this out in your mind. Mary and Joseph don't know Simeon, most likely. Perhaps they do, but most likely they don't. And this old man, we assume he's old, walks up to them, and takes Jesus from Mary or maybe unbuckles him from the stroller <laughs> right and and takes him into his arms now mom if you have your 40 day year old baby and some cat walks up to you you don't know him and takes your baby out of your out of your arms how do you respond to that thank you very much I was so tired of holding him Dads in the house are going, well, man, you know what? I'm going to respond. There's some MMA on the temple steps today. That's what's going to happen, you know? But they don't know if Simeon has even washed his hands that day. So Mary's probably digging through the, the diaper bag looking for the hand sanitizer, and it's too late. Listen to these powerful words that come from a man who's been waiting with expectation. The Lord... Now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He has spent his entire life waiting, like most Jews of the day, probably waiting for a political solution to a national problem. Perhaps he's thinking the baby in his arms was going to be the political fix to give the nation of Israel the rightful place thinking that this baby was going to bring peace to Jerusalem, but not the peace that Jesus was offering, the peace, a political peace. Today we celebrate Advent Sunday, the Advent Sunday of peace. 
as I mentioned earlier, on your way out, you'll have an opportunity to pick up a, uh, an ornament that speaks of peace. That is what Simeon was waiting on, waiting on what God had promised to Israel for generations. And he'd heard the stories. He's, he knows the prophecies that the Redeemer would come, and, and through faith, he waits. And so as we talk about this subject today, I, I want us to learn to wait better. Um, three, so I want to talk to you real quick, three ways to learn to wait with a glorious expectation. All right, let's learn from Simeon this morning. Let me pray. Father, in the next few moments, speak to our hearts. You know that um, we're imperfect people in need of a perfect God. And so God, show yourself to us, expand your kingdom within us, and may we be more like you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First thought, we wait actively with expectation. Um, how many of you aren't good at waiting? I mean, like, I'm just not good at it. Uh, I mean, case in point, you know, you're like this, you text somebody, and you, send them a, you hit send, and then you sit there and wait. I'm not seeing bubbles. I'm not seeing the bubble thing. What's going on? How come they're not responding yet? You know, or, or you see the bubbles and then the bubbles disappear and nothing comes. And then you're just, you're, your day's ruined, right? You're just not good at it. Or you're checking Amazon on where your package is at and you're, or you're waiting to hear about the promotion. Often, often we, we associate waiting with helplessness. Because you can't control how fast your answer comes. If you're a, a type 1 on the, on the uh, Enneagram, and you're a perfectionist, and, and so you have some control issues, perhaps, in your life, because you, it has to be right, you look at helplessness as a bad thing because you like that control. The Bible doesn't teach passivity in waiting. If you would look at Psalms 37, it'll be up on the screen. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. I love that, that imagery. Befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. This passage teaches us that waiting isn't passive. Waiting is actually active. Look at it. Trust dwell or some translations use the terminology cultivate trust dwell befriend delight commit trust what who is the object of of our trust it's the lord what is your role to actively wait how do you do it if if i could just illustrate it this way some of you will leave church today you'll go to a restaurant and and there will be um uh, what we used to call waiters or waitresses, now we call them servers, right? But for the old sake in the illustration, we're going to call them a waiter. And that waiter is responsible for you. Right? They're responsible on waiting for you, actively engaging with your, uh, with your table. So like if you like, well, you know what? It's been two days since I've had Mexican food and I want some more Mexican food. Because I love it. I'm like at the restaurant going, bring me the chips and salsa. Are any of you with me? And it's like, I need chips and salsa. And then you're like, I need more. Because we ate that really fast. And, and, and so, or you're at Olive Garden, you're like, I need the breadsticks. That's why I really came. I came for the breadsticks. Or you're at Texas Roadhouse, and you're just like, just bring out the whole sheet. Right? And you're just like, man. But if your waiter is passive, if your waiter, waitress, server, whatever you want to call is not active, what do you do? As you're sitting there, the longer you're sitting there, if you're like me, don't judge me, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, we're supposed to tip 18%. And this, this individual is really not doing it. So I'm, I'm, you know, and so I'm thinking in my mind, do I how do I respond to his engagement? If the waiter is active in pursuing the needs, then, then, then I'm willing to go 20, I'm willing to go 22%. But, but the same is true for us. Listen, you will never regret pursuing God. You'll never do it. 
in January 7th, January 8th, uh, whatever the, the first Sunday, I think it's the 8th uh, of uh, January is, when our 21 days of prayer and fasting begin, some many of you in the room have never done anything like that. You will never regret pursuing God. Simeon is attentive to the promptings of the Lord, responsive to the Holy Spirit speaking to him, and he's able to see what the Lord wants him to see. And you know what that is? That's position. That is him placing himself in a position to respond, to hear, to be led by the Spirit, and to react to it. To, re- to, to, to lean into it, eagerly waiting while actively, or eagerly searching while actively waiting. Let me ask you, how good are you at waiting? Actively waiting means sometimes we stop, listen, we stop so we see what's important. Let me ask you a searching question. How do your habits prove or disprove your dependence upon Jesus? We need to be actively seeking Him daily and regularly, running to Him and anticipating that He's up to something. Actively, uh, actively waiting doesn't mean that you're helpless. It means that you're running to the one who can help you. And there's a difference. So we wait actively. Next, I want you to see we wait openly with expectation. Many people want God to be predictable. We want God in a box. Easy to understand, just like the instructions for the toys that you're going to be building for your kids in a couple of weeks. Just easy, boom, 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 boom. And then you're, you're like, got it. And if we're honest, we want God to do it our way. My timing, my, my boundaries, because it's safe and because I'm... Uh, uh, I can see it. It kind of reminds me of C.S. Lewis's book and movie, Chronicles of Narnia, where there's this conversation between Mr. Beaver and a young girl named Susan, and it's in reference to Aslan. Aslan is, is the image of, of Jesus. It's a representation of who Jesus is, and, and so it's a, a powerful book, a great, great movie. It'd uh, be worth the watch for a Christmas movie over uh, your break. But um, anyway, there's this dialogue going on. And Susan asks of Aslan, he's, she's speaking to the beaver, and he, she asks, is he quite safe? I shall, rather, I, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion, she says. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? <laughs> of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Because we want God predictable in our box, we can miss Him when He does move. We know from the Old Testament that the people of Israel were expecting a Messiah to be born as a baby. We know that Genesis 12, we, I mean, 2 Samuel 7, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, Micah chapter 5, all speak of that happening. All saying and giving reference to the Messiah as a baby. So then, did Simeon expect the Messiah that Israel was longing for to roll up as an 8-pound or 10-pound baby boy, did he expect that Messiah, though, to be born to peasants who couldn't afford proper sacrifice? I mean, really, if Jesus is king, in our mindset, my mindset anyway, shouldn't he be rolling up in a BMW, SUV, tinted glass, you know, Mama Mary getting out wearing a pair of Ugg boots, throwing a Lululemon diaper bag over her shoulder as they make their way into the temple? Because shouldn't that be where a king come from, comes from? But that isn't the case. If Simeon sees young adults who are just trying to be just trying to be obedient just trying to scrounge up a couple nickels and dimes so that they could offer an appropriate sacrifice i wonder if what simeon thought he was waiting for 
is what Simeon was given. Verse 30. He's alert, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That, that statement, light for revelation for the Gentiles. That they're, they're, he is speaking this out in, in, in the temple context. I mean, there's people all, just like it is in here right now. And Simeon makes this statement that it's a light for revelation for the Gentiles. Everyone in that room would have been like, say what? Gentiles would have been known for oppressing the Jews. Right? I mean, Roman occupation is happening. They're, they're seeing um, the Romans dominate and squash and, and, and throw their weight around, if you will. And the thought would have been, that's crazy. And I would dare to guess that if someone, knowing humanity, if someone has oppressed you, if someone has done you wrong, typically our response is, I'm going to get you, I'm going to do you wrong. If someone harms my kid, then um, my response as a parent is, where are they? And, and with that mindset, would you really want them to have light? And Simeon speaks to, to those that are present, a light for revelation for Gentiles. You would want them to grope in, in darkness and in the demise that they had placed upon you kind of like man you reaped what you sowed and Simeon goes a bit deeper to to this mom and who who this mom who's heard angels and has been uh had visitors come from distant lands bringing expensive gifts and and he says in verse 34 and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that thoughts of many, for, from many hearts will be revealed. Simeon is saying, many of the Jews will embrace Jesus and many will reject him. How come? He wasn't what they expected. Because he wasn't what they expected, they missed it. Jesus came for all people right where they are. And they're like, say what? So let me ask you, would you rather have an answer to your prayer or would you rather have the one you're praying to? God, I want you. Jesus, I want you. Yeah, if you can turn this situation around, if you can rescue me from this, this predicament, if you could do this or that, that, that would be great. But God, at the end of the day, may my heart be... I just want you. I want to be with you because I know even if you don't turn that around, you're going to get me through the around. Third thought, we wait personally with expectation. I don't know why you find yourself in the room this morning, but I do know this. It's not by accident. Emmanuel, God with us. The us is you. It's the us is those that were present when the angels made that pronouncement on the hillside. The us is those that were in the temple with Simeon that day. The us is your kids. The us is your grandkids. The us is those that are going to be following after if the Lord tarries his coming. The one not all put together. The us is the, the one who appears to have it all put together, but but behind closed doors you know that there's cracks going on in your life the us is the one who feels alone Simeon says this is for you don't 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 defer that for someone else it's for you don't say yeah but no it's for you Emmanuel God with us i'm part of the us i love what simeon says verse 29 lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation what will it take let me ask you 
what will it take for you to depart from peace? What, what, what are you looking for? What needs to happen for you to depart in peace? Not just for, not just for eternity, though that obviously is first and foremost of importance because eternity is forever and we're all built for it. But, but even for today, what will it take for you to depart from this place in peace if you don't have peace? What will it take? Will it take um, a new job? Will it take relationships being reconciled? Will it take recognition for things that you've accomplished at work or in your family? And you're just a man, I just want, I just want to be appreciated. And then I'll have peace. Look, there is nothing that this world has to offer that will leave you with peace. The only thing that can is Jesus because he's the Prince of Peace. The fullness of life is found in Christ. Jesus said as, as he's, his last days were coming to fruition, he says this, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. What are you expecting? Jesus. Because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, hopefully is, you know, the reality is if, if I got, I don't, have a, I don't have a Christmas list really. Robin's asking, what do you want for Christmas? The kids are asking, what do you want for Christmas? And, and I'm like, I, I don't know, a pocket knife? I, I, I mean, I, I really, I, I, don't, I haven't given it much thought. But even if I had my list, man, you know, a red Jeep. <laughs> um, you know, whatever. Uh, whatever. Whatever's on the list. New clothes, a trip to, to uh, Hawaii, you know, whatever. You know, let's go skiing. Um, for all cats. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, if I had everything on my list, and I got it. Will I give me peace? No. It won't. But if, if I take a hold of Jesus, if I take a hold of the opportunity to have peace in every season, in every situation, because He is greater. Paul put it this way, if the worship team would come. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. There's such a weighty statement. And for you and I, as if to live is anything other than Christ, then to die is lost. If to live is for my job, then to die is is lost. If if live to live is is for all my relationships to be perfect and everyone gathering around the Christmas tree singing you know deck the halls and whatever and everyone's just smiling and happy and and good then to die is is lost to To say, well, man, if I, you know, if I could, to live is to cut 20 pounds and, and never eat sugar again. Then to die is <laughs> loss. I want my sugar. Right? But to live is Christ. And then to die is gain. Why? expectation expectation Christ the eternal king gives us an eternal hope because you were built for eternity never take your eyes off the prize 
Never look to other things to bring you gratification, to bring you fulfillment, to bring you fulfillment, to, to, to bring you purpose, to bring you identity, because if you do, then to die is lost. Because that stuff's going to end. But Christ lives forever. And He is the Prince of Peace that extends and wants to offer you that peace. And if you're here today and you don't know that peace, in your heart today, there's turmoil. In your heart today, there's, there's emptiness. In your heart today, says, man, I have to outdo, I have to give myself to this. If, um, if I'm going to find life, if I'm going to find purpose, if I'm going to find acceptance, man, it's, it's empty. But to give yourself to Christ, according to Paul in Philippians chapter 121, to live is Christ, to die is gain, because he's eternally preparing you for all that you're built for. And today in this place, you can know that hope, you can know that peace, you can have that expectation not because of your merit, not because of what you did, but solely based on what Christ did. And if you're here today with your heads bowed and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're like, man, Steve, as, you've, as we've walked through this morning together, there's just been something tugging on my heart that I've, uh, I'm not sure what it is, but I realize that, that I need Christ and I need what you're talking about. I need that peace. I need that... that salvation that Jesus has to offer and I and I want to receive it on this day December 10th 2023 that Christ would come forgive me of my sins and not just forgive me of my sins but that he would be my lord and my savior and I would take hold of all that he has provided for me in exchange for all that I am. And I want that. If you're here in this place and you've never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, or perhaps at one time you did, but then you've kind of started living for yourself and you're like, man, I'm, I've come home today. I feel at home and I, and I want to take hold of what Christ has for me. Would you just slip up your hand right where you're at? Anyone at all? See those hands? God, you know us. You know those that are raising their hands. I, I know several times that they've done that. You know they're weak. You know what's transpired in their week. And God, I thank you that in you is life. In you is forgiveness. In you is wholeness. In you is, is the ability for transformation to happen. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus, for these in the room that are saying, God, I, I want you, even if they've already done that before, but they just, they just are crying out to you this morning, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Let my salvation be so strong and life-changing that I'm able to, to wait in, in, in expectation that my deliverance, my hope, my provision, my salvation is in you and you alone. And I take hold of that in Jesus' name. God, I rest in that. I speak to you, Jesus. You are my Lord and my Savior. If you're here in this room today or watching online and, and you that's the cry of your heart, would you just speak that to Jesus? Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I receive what you have for me. Even if I've done it a hundred, if I've asked a hundred times, God, I'm going to ask a hundred and one today because it's not about me praying the right words. It's about me just willingly saying, Lord, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Be my Lord, my Savior. God, I pray for the rest of us in this place, Lord, that we're in a season of actively waiting. 
and it's hard. Lord, may we be like Simeon. May we be familiar, Holy Spirit, with your voice and with your prompting. And may we rest in this season of waiting that we find, our, find ourselves in. Not getting antsy, not getting uncomfortable, not trying to take the steering wheel and back into our own hands. But God, just enjoying the journey with you, knowing that you are ordering our steps and you are constantly going before us. God, that we actively wait and we openly wait for you. God, even if what, what you do looks different than what I thought you were going to do. God, we, we just want to be open to you. Just like Simeon was open to, to you coming in and, uh, and having the parents that you, your earthly parents, who they were. They weren't flashy, they weren't rich, they weren't famous, they were just common peasants of the day. He recognized that. God, may we be open and see what you're doing and respond appropriately and personally be involved, I pray, God. Lord, as we sing this song this morning, God, we avail ourselves to you. And may we walk and may we sing with an expectation today, I pray. In Jesus' holy name. Church, would you stand with me? As we step into this song of worship this morning. Um, Roger and Vicki, if you would make your way, Doug and Kim, if you would make your way, our elders are going to just place themselves up here. I'll be up here as well. If you need prayer for anything this morning, um, be it a physical need, be it just a life need, and you want prayer or something in the message this morning has just resonated within you, and you're like, man, you know, I just want to go receive prayer this morning in my that I would have a proper response and I would have a sensitive ear and I would recognize what God is doing and, and maybe that's you and you're just like I just I just want to receive from prayer some prayer that I would I would be alert and attentive to that and these would love to pray for you the rest of us let's step into a time of worship all right and then Pastor Nathaniel will come and close us this concludes the teaching Thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Rains.